Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block Ripping up fantasy stock Working around the clock Look at the view from the top Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods, yeah One in particular, I'm just a messenger Let me just pass on the rock uh. Browning, brunning, bruning Pronouncing ain't what he's doing What he's doing is not losing But infusing you with new things And there's Dennis the Bennett Yeah the man is a menace, yeah. Building a dynasty, some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Slice a fox, coach it in pop. Give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box. And you cannot compare him at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire. I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Yeah. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Woo. Fantasy round table come take a look at the crown baby go all right we are you guys might have caught the end of that underwear talk there maybe i'll just leave that in anyways just for fun uh so we are live facebook twitter twitch and youtube this will technically be our monday the what was monday the 22nd episode when you guys get this on the podcast uh Dennis and Matt are with me as we're doing a podcast about the NFC West. We're talking about San Francisco and Seattle today. How you guys doing today on this lovely Friday? Man, I've had a great day. I did some mudding on the walls of the podcast cave that I'm building. Uh, went out and jumped in the pool, so my hair's all kind of messed up now. Not that it ever isn't messed up, but because uh, I'm old and don't give a shit. Uh, but I'm having a great day. Yeah, I did... Uh... Um, I, for Christmas present, I got my wife two introductory ballroom dance lessons for us to try because she's wanted to do it. And we continued. We like the teacher. So we had our every other week, uh, ballroom dance lesson today. Very nice. Very nice. It's not a good thing. I'm glad my wife doesn't watch this show because then she would expect me to do stuff like that for her. And I'm not, I've got two left feet. I'm not really much of a dancer. So now it's, uh, it's, not exactly my comfort zone, but, you know, I do this two or three or soon to be five times a week, plus a lot of other work and a lot of yeah. other, uh, you know, I, I may have just watched. Something's got to give. I may yeah, have watched 13 Star Trek movies in the last two weeks. So, you know, you got to give an hour at least a week. Oh, yeah, I, I understand. Once once that like Saturday afternoon point rolls around where it's time for <laughs> what I call Paula time, that's a, it's all her all, all day. 
Saturday, Sunday, especially now when there's not much going on. Luckily for me, at least, you know, we don't have any sports because then that's when it becomes hard. So I'm like, but, but baseball, and I want to watch the baseball game. So, yeah. All right, we are going to do start the NFC West. We'll, we'll finish it up next. I feel like today's a Monday show. The Monday after the 22nd, which would be... 29th. Yeah, I guess 7 plus 2 is 29. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know why I would well, I only know because July 1st is a Wednesday, so... You know, I just oh, I know, because you have force a Friday, which means you got that nice long weekend like I have coming up today. It's a Saturday. It's, a Saturday. it's weird. Fourth is a Saturday? No, force a Friday. Yeah. It is a Saturday. No, the third is a Friday. What? The, well, I'm off Fridays, so that's all yeah, I, I care Yeah, I think at most people's na- the national holiday observance is Friday. The yeah, Thursday. that's all I care about is I got a long weekend this weekend and then a long weekend the weekend two weeks later. I'm super excited about it. But enough, but enough about us. Let's let's talk about the San Francisco 49ers who went 13 and 1 last year and lost into the Super Bowl as uh, we all saw really actually I thought a pretty good Super Bowl compared to the one that we saw the year prior which was Patriot was that right Patriots Rams yeah, was the Patriots, year prior? Rams, the, the 10-3 debacle. I so, love the Patriots Rams Super Bowl. Did you? I'm I'm all about great defense. I, was yeah. gonna, I thought you were about to say you were really tired that day and you were able to nap through three quarters and not miss any good <laughs> no, commercials. Or any but I'm also that, that kid who used to love a one nothing baseball game too. I mean, I do love myself a good one nothing baseball game. I think there's a lot but of that, uh, drama. That usually just means the uh, baseball game is also a crisp like two hours and 20 minutes. As opposed that is to true. As well. That, that is are. usually true as well. So that there's a, the, the best side of both there. But uh, so Jimmy G, there's been a lot of talk about him. You know, Tony mentioned on the podcast yesterday, there was a lot of talk that the 49ers were looking at bringing in Tom Brady this year. Do you guys think that Jimmy G is the QB of the future for the 49ers? Uh, his cap hit after this year is just a 2.8 million cap hit. If they let him go, think he is the future of the 49ers. Well, I mean, if, if not him, who, you, Trevor you know, it, 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 it comes down to what the opportunities are. If, uh, if I can get Trevor Lawrence, then no, Jimmy's not the future. Uh, but if, if all I can get is Tyrod Taylor, Jimmy's the future. So, it, you know, it, it's like dating. You know, you're only as beautiful as your options. That's not true. Beauty's only a light switch away, my friend. You're going to be just as beautiful as anybody once that light switch goes off. I, I, you know, I think if the Rams, or if the, excuse me, if the 49ers like bottomed out and crash uh, this year, then they probably will look to move on from Jimmy G. But he was, you know, we, we tend to think about that he didn't throw very much in the playoffs and, you know, maybe didn't come up with a huge play to win the Super Bowl, although you could argue their defense, you know, didn't exactly do what they had hoped to do in the in the Super Bowl. Yeah. I don't think – I think some of the Super Bowl loss maybe unfairly got put just on him. But he had a pretty successful season. I mean, he wasn't – asked to throw a ton but in a few of those games when he had to they certainly had to duel with the saints when they beat the saints and outscored the saints jimmy g had to throw the ball up and down the field to help them win that game and he finished you know i think we're about to talk about it he finished better than you think yeah you know like where we had him ranked is still where yet when we talked about that yesterday is still where i would have him ranked but you know he he had a very successful year and it was his first full year as a starter too. You know, he had a lot of time where he was sitting behind Brady 
got a few games at the end of one season, came out, was hoping to have some big things and tore his ACL in the second or third game of his, you know, of the of the next season. So last year was his first full year as a starter. He's a he's a longtime veteran, but if we were comparing what he did in his first sixteen, you know, sixteen game season as a starter compared to some other guys, he had a pretty epic season. Yeah, I, I think that the fact that he got them to the Super Bowl uh, buys him opportunity. He fits their offense from the standpoint that they're not they're not ever going to be an aired out team. Mm-hmm. He's going to be efficient. He completed, I think, almost seventy percent of his passes. Uh, he did, you know, you know, it was they threw the ball. Gosh. They were the, they were 29th in the league in pass attempts with 478 pass attempts and second in the league in rush attempts. Yeah, with, Jimmy G completed 69.1% of his passes. Yeah, and they we rushed the ball 498 up. times. We round up. 70% sounds better. I said almost 70. It would be closer to 69 <laughs> if you were. Oh, I said we, we round up, though. We always round up. doesn't matter how close it is. We always round up. No, there was – um. I wish I could have pulled it up. If, if I thought I know we were going to go down that route, I would have. Uh, I was listening to um, uh, the Podfather Fantasy Mansion. What is uh, what is his the Underworld? Yeah, well, Royal I know Underworld. Back, Underworld, and they were talking about how Jimmy G is extremely underrated, and the fact that if you go based on there, they've got like some different stats that they kind of all like more advanced stats on accuracy. He was actually the most accurate passer in the NFL last year when it came to different drop passes and everything like that. Had there not been the drop passes they had, uh, he would have been the most accurate. And uh, I agree with you, Dennis. He does fit that offense very well. He, he, he does a beautiful handoff. So, I mean, it's not, you know, he's, he's he's really good at that. And again, if we give some other quarterbacks a little bit of grace when they don't have the world's most epic receiving core, Devo Samuel was a rookie last year that came on toward the second half. They traded for Emmanuel Sanders in October that gave them more of a receiver. We all like Kittle, uh, but he missed some time here and there with some injuries. And beyond that, they had some, you know, some underachieving all-stars, you know, like Dante Pettis. So yeah. it's not it's not like he had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers receiving core either. That is very true. All right, so some of their new additions. I just added this one on here. I don't think it's going to be much for for fantasy, but I'm a huge uh, Salvan Salvan Ahmed player uh, fan. He was a rookie out of Washington last year. I think he's a really dynamic runner, really good in the return game as well. Uh, they did sign him to a three year deal. They traded for Trent Williams uh, during the NFL draft, and they drafted draft drafted. My goodness, drafted Brandon Ayuk. Hey, so. How can you put Salvin Ahmed Ahmed on there and yeah. not Jamichael Hasty, who they also signed to a three-year contract for more money yeah. than they did yeah. Salvin yeah. Ahmed, right. the running back out of Baylor? Ahmed's not. Are you talking about Hasty out of Baylor? I don't, yeah. I don't like Hasty. I like Ahmed. Watson, <laughs> well, I, I put him on there because I like him. That's why. Um, yeah, they did. They also I, signed I Travis before. Benjamin. I thought about putting Benjamin on there, but I was like, is that really going to matter? So Travis I just, Benjamin has actually played in the NFL, so if you were rating it against the other two options. Well, again, I said I put Ahmed on there for me because I am a fan of Ahmed. That's why. That's why I put him on there. 
Uh, I said he's not going to mean anything for fantasy. I just want to throw it out there. Big fan of the guy. Maybe I can get and him up. With the 49ers, you can't uh, yeah. guarantee Any running that he's back not going to be relevant for fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. So, if if they know, have a pulse and they exist, they could end but up on the field. It, it wouldn't surprise me if Juice Jack rushed for 1,200 yards if they yeah. handed him the ball 250 yeah. times. Uh, I should have put Hasty on there because there are a lot of people who liked him. I'm not a big Hasty guy, but when, when that's the my point like, exactly. There, there was a lot of people who were excited. So Hasty got on. Are you saying there. that Matt was a little Hasty in putting this list together? I was, no, I'm saying he was biased. I was definitely biased. That is for damn sure. But I am every episode. So, all right. Uh, losses and expiring contracts. They uh, traded Marquise Goodwin to the Eagles, right? I didn't actually put who yeah. they who we went that to. That was the Eagles, yeah. Uh, I liked Joe, your comment by that one. You you should follow. Yeah, that. I, yeah, could it should be an addition? Yes, but technically he did leave the team. Um, the Joe Staley retired. Uh, they traded Brita to the Dolphins. I'm going to save the Debo thing for a minute. And uh, Coleman's expire. Coleman's contract expires uh, at the end of this season. Uh, Debo, I put question mark on here. I guess it's not really could be a loss for this season. It seems like everything's saying he's going to be back week one, right, Matt? Yeah, so that's that's what's interesting. Even I was looking even among ESPN people, Mike Clay reissued his projections showing Samuel playing nine games this year and took everybody else down. I don't know if that's when people thought it. I've seen some people report that it's like a 12 to 16 week injury. I've seen mm-hmm. other people report that it's like a three to six week injury and that he'll be ready for week one that's what Schefter said today is they expect him back for week one so in my opinion I think you have to hedge and you know I think we all brought up some interesting points when we were talking about these kind of breaks and foot injuries just because you come back doesn't mean you're you're good to go I mean even like Greg Olson think about him for the Panthers you know he kept re-breaking the same kind of area in his foot several several times when he got back into competition. So those are all reasonable questions too. Well, and I don't think we can, we can, you know, fully trust that San Francisco knows how to handle this injury. They just had it last season with Trent Taylor and he had setback after setback until he ended up going on season ending IR. So uh, I'm not saying that, you know, it's Washington's medical staff, but clearly this is the type of injury that can have a, a wide variety of outcomes unless you're very, very careful with it. Yeah, and so that's NFL.com apparently just put out again that he's out for 12 to 16 weeks. So I think the tough thing for us trying to do this today is it, it could be a week or two weeks, and it could be one of those injuries where you have to see, see how the recovery goes. I do remember seeing that he they said he was going to have surgery to repair it. Yeah, I mean, for me, anything foot injury-wise with the wide receiver raises a red flag for me, at least for the season. I mean, so I'm not obviously anywhere near the athlete that Debo is, but I've had some fairly serious foot injuries in just the sports that I play, and it does take forever to kind of get back to what you're used to doing. And, I mean, I can't – with the cuts that he makes and the way that they use him in the offense, I wouldn't be surprised if it does take him a little bit of time, even if they expect him back week one, to kind of get back into full what we saw of Debo at the end of last year. It might might take him five, six games into the NFL season to do it. So, not necessarily a loss per se because he'll still be there, but I wouldn't expect to see full Debo 
uh, this year. So the fantasy finishes last year. Jimmy Garoppolo finishes QB 12 with 258.4 points. Raheem Mostert, RB 25, 141.4. Tevin Coleman, RB 35 with 122.6. Matt Breida, RB 43, 92.2. Debo, wide receiver 35, 139.6 points. And then Kittle, tight end four, 166.2. So, fantasy-wise, Jimmy G was an elite quarterback last year. He finished right there at 12, right at the edge of that Tier 1 of quarterback. Depends on what your scoring is. Because when I saw that 12, I went and looked. In ESPN and Fantasy Pros scoring, he was in 14 to 15 range. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I don't know. I wonder what ESPN does different than the one I pulled from. I just point. Uh, Fantasy Pros also had him as QB 14 behind Jared Goff. So uh, ESPN. Because I don't, I don't do week 17. That's why. I, I do weeks 1 through 16. I, I don't I do not do week 17. I'll see if that changes it at all. Yeah, Fantasy <laughs> Pros has him at 14 through 16 weeks. Really? So what is their yeah. score difference in mine? mine? I don't have anything well, quarterback wise it's just 0.5 ppr running back that's the story. regardless the point that i would like to make is yes. that finishing a, almost 100 points behind the qb2 i don't think makes you an elite quarterback you I may have finished that. as a qb1 in that scoring but he's not elite uh, yeah. depends on what you define as elite i would define elite as 1 through 12 well, that. i think okay. you define elite as in the nfl so you, not you true know, if we're measuring him by Joe Flacco standards, then sure he's elite. He has Correct. a QB one fantasy. Football. I'll grant you the looking, Super Bowl. better hair, better girlfriends, sure. definitely elite by Joe better Flacco. Chance at VD, uh, but probably true too. <laughs> but I mean, the, last year was also a strange year in that Drew Brees missed a chunk of time, so you see yeah. where he's at. Matt Stafford, if he would have played that whole season, you know. What he was tracking a lot better. He still finished quarterback 22, even though I believe he missed half a year. Yeah, and Stafford in eight games passed for 1,000 yards less than Garoppolo. And passed for only a couple of touchdowns less because I think he had 19 or 20 TDs and Garoppolo had 26. So, I, I mean, he had a good season. I, like I said, he finished better than – if you would have asked me before we looked this up, whether yeah. Jimmy G finished among quarterbacks, I probably would have said the 18 to 20 range. Well, yes, yeah, very successful in that audience offense. But so none of us see him. None of us see him finishing up there again. I, I mean, we all had him ranked yes on yesterday's episode. What I think I had him. I had him like in the thirty, not thirty range, but like the the bottom tier, like QB three range. Yeah. I didn't even have his QB two. I'm pretty sure I had him. Tw- you know, between twenty two and twenty five. Yeah, you um, and Tony were higher on him than me. And I Dennis see him as a, a real low end QB two. I I think that's. If, if you're hedging, if you're betting on something, you know, could it's the same. We talked about some of the guys last year. The best availability is availability. Yeah. So quarterback's a position where you never know what's going to happen and take somebody out. If you would have said prior to the 2019 season, I would assume that all three of us would have told you Matt Stafford would finish as a QB1, and that's where we would have drafted him. And you don't know that a guy's going to miss eight, half a season, get knocked out, crush your hopes and dreams. Jimmy G could finish as a QB one again, but do I feel like I want to bet on that? I, I definitely don't, especially they banked a lot of their, which I'm sure we'll talk about, banked a lot of their this year on, they drafted a new receiver and they were ready for Debo Samuel to take a step forward. Yeah. And now that's a little bit in flux. And if you look at the depth of their receiving core, there's not a lot of experience and there's not a lot of, 
previous you know history and talent there's even more questions probably than he had last year Dennis anything you want to add before we get on to the wonderful running backs here nope Jarek McKinnon Raheem Mostert Tevin Coleman Jamichael Hasty, Salvan Ahmed is that how you say it right I always call him Ahmed are all there in that running back room don't forget Jeff Wilson Jeff Wilson, that's right, the the guy out of North Texas who who gets, comes in and scores four touchdowns in a game once a year. Yeah, always screws you, always screws somebody in their fantasy playoffs every single year. Um, who are you guys buying into? Who do you think is going to be the guy moving forward? I mean, each has their ups and downs. I think for me, the one that's probably the easiest to leave off is McKinnon. I think it's got to come down to Coleman and Mostert, but both have injury issues. Both have their ups and downs. So if you were buying into one, which one would you buy into? I am usually buying into Coleman uh, just based on price. Uh, I don't hate Mostert. uh, And there are times when I'm drafting where I'll be like, you know, ah, hell with it. He's got to, he's got to be healthy all year eventually. And, uh, and I'll draft him. Uh, It's the hard part for me sometimes though, is Mostert can be healthy and that still doesn't mean uh, Coleman's not going to get 24 carries mm-hmm. and Mostert eight. Yeah, it's I mean, just a Kyle Shanahan kind of thing. That's what I was going to say. We're, we're critical of uh, the Patriots and their running backs because you can never tell who's going to do what. I thought San Francisco last year was trying to, to do a hold my beer moment because you'd have Tevin Coleman score four touchdowns and be talked in the same breath as Jerry Rice one week and – uh, you'd have to go check and make sure he didn't like get cut from the team the next week because he just wasn't a part of the game plan. So those kind of things are tough. Injuries in this in their particular position have seemed to take an impact on who's on the field uh, a lot, and that's one thing you can't handicap. I'm probably leaning closer to you, Matt, but McKinnon's the one I would rule out. I think Coleman and Mostert will both be used. I like Mostert. I like his potential. I think he he will probably end up as the higher scoring running back. But if you're looking for value in drafting, the difference in ADP between Mostert and Tevin Coleman is shocking. You know, Tevin yeah. Coleman's somewhere down like RB 44 to 50. So mm-hmm. he has just as good a chance to have an 800-yard season as Mostert does, and he's going, I believe, Somewhere, uh, you know, when I did the profile on him, he was going somewhere between 24 and 30. I don't know if it's – he may have even yeah. come higher because people have seemed to have bought in more on him. Um, he He's the one I think will finish with better stats, but will he help you more? Probably not because of where you're going to have to draft him. Yeah, it's it's a, a crazy setup. I mean, Coleman is almost $5 million against the cap. Mostert, $3.1 million. McKinnon, two point nine. And Jeff Wilson seven hundred and fifty thousand, uh, Hasty six fifteen, and Ahmed six thirteen. Yeah. Uh, are they going to carry six running backs? I think the wild card with that is actually McKinnon's health. If uh, that may be the thing that that clears that room out is if McKinnon just doesn't have it coming back now from what two years removed from his injury, it could be Mostert and Coleman with Wilson as the three. Didn't he tear an ACL again last year? It was two ACL tears in a row, right? Something. I was pretty sure that's why he missed again last year. He hasn't been able to 
see the field in a regular season game for the 49ers since signing that contract. McKinnon? Yeah, yeah. He, he got um, – I don't remember what happened. I don't think he tore his hands, but something happened with that. It was due to that injury, something going on with it that caused him. Yeah, he never even got on the field last year. Um, I would go Coleman, too, just based on, as you guys mentioned, the, the difference in the ADP. So, Matt, you were mentioning it. Mostert right now, his ADP is uh, 85. He's going as a 31st RB off the board. Coleman's is at 155, RB 52. Like the difference in them, clearly everybody's buying into Mostert. And I mean, at that point, I don't know. What is that? What is what is 85? Right? Is that round seven? So it's probably your RB3. Probably, I guess, depending on how you've built your team, RB2, RB3. I think I'd rather take a shot at Coleman as my RB3, you know, a good whatever that is rounds later. Well, you could uh, get him as an RB4 almost. And yeah. And you could end yeah. up having well, so, the so same five kind of production. Later. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'd rather – I I would personally rather do that. Someone just popped up on here, and I don't know what just happened. I don't know how that happened. Someone just popped up on the bottom to, like, get on the show. I don't know who it was. but uh, all right. No. I, I went to link to our show in Dynasty Nerds, and I guess I posted the the uh, oh yeah Streamyard link. Don't let them in. Yeah, no, no, they're gone now. But I was oh. like, hey, how oh. popped up? I'm so confused. What just yeah, happened? no, I'm a dumbass. Today's um, episode right. with a special guest. Yeah, special right, guest. to be named later. Well, I was yeah. about to add, I was like, wait, who is this? How did you? No. Uh, by the way, this gives you. I did look it up. You are correct, McKinnon. His original injury was an ACL tear last year. Was some kind of flare up and damage in the same knee that required a secondary surgery. Yeah, and so it ended up keeping him out all year. And I just, I, I you hate to see it because he looked so good. Obviously, that last year with Minnesota before he came to San Francisco. Obviously, there are a lot of people who bought in very heavily on McKinnon there in Kyle Shanahan's offense, and we're probably never going to get a chance to see that, which which does suck. So the number one receiving option is, in my opinion, Kittle. I know everybody loves Debo, but Kittle's definitely the guy on here. Do we see anybody who can succeed in the wide receiver core, though, including Debo, assuming he comes back, let's just say, by week, or he's healthy by week four or five, and it's good to go the rest of the season. Who do you guys see that could possibly succeed here in that offense or a guy that you would play fantasy-wise at that wide receiver group? Well, outside of Debo, it's probably Ayuk, but it, it comes down to the volume again. If if you have a team that's throwing, what did they throw last year, 478 times, and Kittle is going to get, what, 100, 110, 120 of those targets? So now you're down to 350 targets, 360 targets spread amongst your running backs and, and five wide receivers. It, it, to me, it feels like a situation where if you get one of these guys, you want Debo or Ayuk, and you're hoping that they're your wide receiver three on your team because you know they could have wide receiver one upside – but it might not be uh, consistent. Yeah. So you want to, you're going to try to hedge and have them lower uh, in the pecking order for you. So, you know, I think for me among their receivers, if, if everyone's in there healthy, I liked Samuel last year. I still think he has potential to develop as, as their best receiving weapon. The real question, you know, Ayuk is going to suffer from the same thing that I think all the rookies are going to have coming in this year in that they didn't even, you know, 
they're adjusting to life in the NFL. They're adjusting to life on their NFL team. And they have not been given the same kind of opportunity that classes before them have had to come in. So it's going to be even more magnified pressure on Ayuk if Debo Samuel's not ready to go week one because, you know, people are going to be looking for him to step up to be that number one receiver for a time being. And that's where, you know, some of the decisions they made this offseason, if they knew they were going to have an injury, would they, you know, we may not love Marquise Goodwin, but would you have kept a guy like that who at least has some some more veteran experience? Because what they have, you know, beyond that, you have maybe Trent Taylor comes back, maybe Jalen Hurd, a.k.a. man bun Mike Kyle Shanahan, you know, is available. Maybe Dante Pettis, uh, you know, is something. Uh, Kendrick Bourne, in, in, even last year, you know, at, at times would pop up and catch a couple of touchdowns. They have Travis Benjamin, this is not like the most confidence inspiring, in which case you're kind of looking at what Carson Wentz had in Philadelphia after his big name guys went out last year. I mean, almost by default, if Debo is out, Kittle is going to get more attention. He, teams yeah. are going to scheme to take him away. And so, the running game. Right. And so now then it comes down to, if I had to put my money on anybody, I'd probably go with Kendrick Bourne just because Ayuk is going to be going so much higher and everybody seems to be in love with Jalen Hurd. It, it, to me, it, it almost makes – you're practically stealing Kendrick Bourne. And, and he's shown that he can put up numbers when given a chance. For whatever reason, he just – I don't maybe he's just such a lousy practice player that he can't ever get into the starting lineup. I, I'm not sure what happens with him, but it seems like every time they put him in a game, when they need a big play, they put Kendrick Bourne in, and he makes a big play. It's like, why the hell won't you play him? You know, it's funny that you say that because I almost put him on the show sheet with the fantasy finishes because he was the only other wide receiver that finished worth a damn on their yeah. team with fantasy points. But I left him off because I just kind of didn't think it was going to be that big a deal. I was trying to pull up his uh, – I'll keep looking for his ADP because his ADP is low. Him and her are both extremely low. All right, let's see. Oh, shoot. I'm all, I'm all getting all over all over the place. All right, so over-unders. Uh, again, over-good, under-bad. Wait, no. Over-bad, under-good. That's what we settled on, right? Because it made it easier Kendrick for Kendrick Bourne's ADP is wide receiver 111 in PPR. Not even – doesn't even pull for standard. So he is probably largely going undrafted. Yeah, so the site that I usually use to pull the un uh the the ADPs, I've got him at a he's getting drafted at his ADP on on here through their websites is two ten being drafted as wide receiver eighty six. So he's wow. he's actually been drafted. Oh, no, I'm sorry, that's Jalen Hurd. I'm looking at the wrong person. Sorry, that was Jalen Hurd. That would make sense. Uh, Hurd's been still a, and there's yeah. been a lot of there was a lot of buzz for Hurd that he was coming on and was going to have in for a big year before this injury. So I'm curious to see how that pans out. <laughs> yeah, Bourne, uh, yeah, Bourne is not getting drafted at all in here, actually. In fact, his other teammate, uh, where was it? Dante Pettis is actually getting drafted ahead of him on this website. Uh, Pettis has got an ADP of 238, 106. You know, Riley, Riley Ridley, of all people, is getting drafted over her, over him. Yeah, that's what uh, – Fantasy Pros showed uh, Warren receiver 111 overall 377. That's yeah, this that one has 112 in any on there. So, yeah, I agree with you. All right, so over-unders. Jimmy Garoppolo, 
kind of feel like this is a bad number since we all had him below this anyways, but QB 16 over under in 2020. Over. Over. I agree. His ADP is 177. Uh, he's being drafted as the 20th QB off the board. Just ahead of him, Kirk Cousins, Sam Darnold, and Drew Locke. You taking him over any of those three? Nope. Uh, no. Right behind him, Ryan Tannehill, Godna Minshew, and the future NFL MVP and Super Bowl winner, Justin Herbert. Are you taking any of those three over Garoppolo? In Dynasty, I'm taking Herbert over yeah, definitely. Addressing correctly, future NFL MVP and Super Bowl winner, Justin Herbert. Well, so if you're in that range, you're probably not expecting him to be like a superstar starter for you, and I would like the long-term potential of, of Herbert, who I think is going to be a different kind of NFL passer than Jimmy G. So just just Herbert for you guys? Because I'd probably take Minshew, although his, his future is probably just as murky as Garoppolo's. I, I, I don't know, man. There's something about those jorts that just get me going, man. I don't know. <laughs> Can we cut that audio and just uh, send that to? to yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna the it. internet. There's something about jorts that get me going. Something about those jorts that get me going. All right, so Raheem Mostert, uh, RB22 in 2020, over or under. I'm gonna say under. I'm gonna say under as well. Not by much, but I, I uh, think. 22 is a pretty good number, I think, but 2021. Yeah. All right. I will, uh, I'll go under as well, just barely. I think he finishes right around 21, 22 as well. So it's ADP 85, RB 31, just before him, Keyshawn Vaughn, Darius Geis, and David Johnson. Are you taking him over any of those three? I'd take him over Geis and Johnson. Um, I'd take. I'm not a believer in Vaughn, and so I'd take him over Vaughn. I'd take Geis, and it'd probably be a, it's a coin flip with DJ. Some days yes, some days no. I'd I'd not take him over any th- of those three. I think if Geis – see, that's the thing. Well, see, you can say the same thing about Mostert if he stays healthy. I think Geis is just a better running back, so if he stays healthy, I'd rather have Geis. And David Johnson – while he obviously looked horrible last year, I know is like secured the running back spot where you still have that question of Coleman with Mostert. So I'd keep Johnson over him. Vaughn, stud, RB, RB3 in 2020. So I'm just kidding. Um, uh, let's see. Right behind him, carry on Johnson, Sony Michelle, and Mark Ingram. Are you taking any of those three over Mostert? I am not. It's, it's, I'm torn with Ingram. Because he's produced, we know he can do it. And I know they've got Dobbins, and I know they've got Hill, and I know they've got the Gus bus. And, but Ingram just kind of fits what they do so well. So that it, it, is this offseason going to be so wacky that it prevents Dobbins from ascending? You know, that's the question you have to, you have to ask yourself. If Dobbins is going to play the second fiddle to him, uh, out of veteran deferment and Ingram producing because he got the shot. I could see believing that. Um, I think in a standard league, I might take Sony over him. See, Sony's a question for me too, because I truly think the Patriots are going to run the hell out of him this year. And if that's the case, I I, I mentioned it yesterday. That's why I have Stidham so low. Like I really think they're going to lean on him and Harris a lot. This year, and if Sony, if if he just stays healthy, we know that he can produce. We've seen it. 
He's been a really good running back. I think it was more injuries last year. And obviously we talked about it a lot throughout the season, how beat up their offensive line was as well. Like we expected them they, to run the ball. But they have not substantially improved their offensive line. True. And to, to Dennis's True. point on Ingram, I actually think Mark Ingram will have a better finish in 2020 than Raheem Mostert. But I don't think that he's with the Ravens after this year. And Raheem Mostert, I think, very well could be still the lead back for a 49ers team. In so, yeah, I guess it comes down to what you think of Mostert because, I, I mean, you could make the argument that Mostert might be gone as well after this year. So it's just kind of – if you – I guess if you were on that train that you thought Mostert and Ingram could both be gone after this year, who are you going to take as the better year? Probably Ingram. So I could, I could see the argument for Ingram there. Coleman, RB32 in 2020, over or under? Push. I'm going to take over. Yeah, I, I think that uh, you know, my my general feeling this year is that Mostert's going to stay reasonably healthy, and so that means that Coleman is going to be over RB32. All right. Maybe low in RB3, but it feels more like he would be a high-end RB4. I'm going to go slight under. I think they're going to run the ball enough, and, and Coleman – I guess the biggest thing for him is also the same thing with Mostert is if he stays healthy. Because when he's healthy, he, he shows, especially in that Shanahan offense, the way that they can seem to just scheme running backs to get all kinds of holes and everything. They all they seem to get a ton of points. And, and I've seen enough flashes that Coleman think he can put up a couple touchdowns uh, and keep what's them been, up there. What's been fascinating to me is when they signed McKinnon and then when they went and got Tevin Coleman, it was my thought that they were looking for a back who could be also a dynamic receiver. But in the last two years, it does not seem like the way they've chosen to do offense for the 49ers, that pass catching is a big part. And I think this is that's where that kind of scheme hurts Coleman more than Mostert, who you know is happy to just go in there and keep pounding. Tevin Coleman, when he was really dynamic for Atlanta, it was as a two-phase yeah. player. He had more dynamic probably passing games almost you know i remember one year when they came to denver he took two like over the top 50 plus yard bombs it just doesn't seem like the passing to the backs which was kind of interesting to me yeah i think that's again why everybody was so high on mckinnon when he went there to begin was like man that what we saw because we've even seen it with tevin coleman that one year in atlanta he was getting a lot of the receiving work. It kind of de- depleted so much freeman's value that one year because we saw so much out of coleman everybody's like oh man like now McKinnon going there after he got the the head coach of the 49ers is like man that guy's going to blow up with receiving rushing and then obviously yeah it just it didn't work out. Uh so his ADP is 155 RB52 as we mentioned earlier just before him uh Joshua Kelly um Evans and Darrington Evans and Darrell Henderson would you take him over any of those three? I would take him over Kelly and Evans. I I almost think I would take him over all three of them. Um, so would I. With, with a nod to this year, um, I, I, you know, Coleman is a serviceable back, and he is going to have you know, an RB three season probably. And if he's gone next year to another team, uh, I could see him, you know, landing somewhere and being a solid second guy in, in a backfield. Uh, I think he's still a couple years away from just you know dropping off so uh, he, he's what 27 28 years old i yeah, I, I see him he's older than he is I, I see him having uh you know two or three rb3 seasons left in him 
Yeah, I think for me, Evans would be the only one I might not take because I've, I've obviously liked him a lot, especially in the landing spot there in Tennessee. I think he does a lot more better in the receiving game. And I know a lot of people think Henry's a good receiver, but I kind of dispute that. Um, I'm, I'm just going to stick strong on the Justin Jackson over Kelly train here with Matt as long as we can ride that train out before it falls off the cliff. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with Coleman over him. And then I just – I don't believe – I just the way as early as the Rams took Acres and the fact that that was their very first pick in the draft and they made sure to take Cam Acres just makes me believe they truly believe in him. I just can't see Darrell Henderson really being that big of a part. So I'd rather have Coleman. I think he's just got a better chance of playing time than Henderson. Uh, right after Boston Scott, Chase Edmonds, and Latavius Murray, would you take any of those three over Coleman? No. I don't think so. I definitely not Scott. Uh, I don't believe that Edmonds is is he's not the future in Arizona. Yeah. Drake Drake may not be there past this year, but I don't think Edmonds is the future there either. And, and I think Murray Murray is where I think Coleman will be in a couple of years. Yeah, I might take Latavius Murray just because the system he's in and the potential opportunity feels a little bit better to me. Yeah, Murray Murray was the one question mark for me. I agree with you on Edmonds. I actually think Eno Benjamin's going to actually be coming that, that backup running back there over and Edmonds. He's practically uh, free and starting yeah. drafts. Benjamin's going way later. You can yeah. take him, throw him on a taxi, and wait. Uh, but, uh, I mean, if it came down to it, it'd probably be a coin flip for me between Murray and Coleman. i probably lean Coleman more often than not because the same thing I said about uh, – about Henderson, I, I feel like there's – I see more of a playing time shot with Coleman, but I agree that the Saints offense is obviously better on Murray's side. Debo Samuel, wide receiver 27. I factored in the fact that he probably will miss games or be injured at least earlier in the season for this. I, if he did not have the injury, which we found out about yesterday, I would have probably had him a lot higher. But factoring the injury, I dropped him a little bit. So wide receiver 27 in 2020. I'm going to take the over. Yeah, I'm going to take the over too. I – like okay. I said, I don't, I don't have, based on the Trent Taylor experience, I don't have a ton of confidence that San Francisco will uh, get a best case scenario out of this recovery. All right, I will go slight under. I think he's going to finish right around that back end of uh, of wide receiver two. Uh, but I mean, I, I don't disagree with what you guys are saying. Like, so we talked about at the beginning of that podcast. There's, I don't think there's any way to clearly predict what goes on with those foot injuries, especially with a wide receiver like Debo. Uh, ADP 53, wide receiver 26 off the board. Just ahead of them, Robert Woods, Terry McLaurin, and Jerry Judy. Would you take him over any of those three? Uh, I'd probably take him over Judy still. Uh, I, I don't think I would have taken – I definitely wouldn't have taken him over McLaurin before. Um and Woods, um, Woods is a tough one for me because he is a little bit older. And so while receivers have a longer shelf life, what's Woods? He's like 27, 28. Debo's like 23. Right now. So there Robert is a – Woods will be 28 when the season starts. So yeah. there is a little concern there with Woods. I'd probably still take I, – I think I'd probably – still take Debo based on uh, it. Since I'm playing dynasty, I want the, the better long-term player. And even if I only have Debo for a half a season this year, uh, 
I'll, I'll add to the Woods disrespect. Yeah, I would take him over Woods. Uh, I would take him over Judy, and that's it. Just because I, I think even with uh, Samuel's injury this year, I still – I. I'm a massive – I think both of you guys are as well – massive believer in Cortland Sutton. I think he's always going to be the one in Denver. And I think once Debo comes back, he's going to be the one. I like Ayuk a lot, but I just think what Samuel can do, the way he can move all over the field with with Shanahan in that offensive scheme, uh, I think Samuel's going to be the one for them for the most part. So when he comes back and is healthier, even moving forward into the future, he's going to be the one. And I like that. Woods – Dennis, you mentioned it right there at the end. He just seems to continually get disrespected. He always finishes in the top 24 or the top really 15, almost seems like every single year. I think I'd ride with with Woods a couple more years and, and then try and draft some younger wide receivers to kind of offset the age thing later uh, and kind of mo- move more toward a – I always try to win every year. It never really ever works out for me, so that's probably why I would go Woods. Uh, right behind him, Tyler Lockett, Adam Thielen, and Justin Jefferson. Would you take any of them over Debo? No. Well, Lockett's tempting, um, but there's a certain amount of uh, trepidation I have based on my uh, underestimation of DK Metcalf last season. So I, I think Metcalf is definitely ascending out there, and in a low-volume offense, uh, I don't know if there's going to be uh, enough Lockett long-term, so – Probably not. I wouldn't take Thielen or Jefferson over him. Yeah, I wouldn't either. I'd still take uh, Debo all of over all of those three. So, uh, Brandon Ayuk, wide receiver, thirty-one in twenty twenty. Over. Over. I'm gonna go under. I think the the whatever amount that C- Samuel is is injured or not fully himself is going to help. Uh, Shoot him up. I know the and Matt. You mentioned earlier the the offseason stuff going on is probably going to hurt him, especially because we hear Kyle Shanahan has such a like advanced and and hard to learn playbook and everything. But I, I, Herm Edwards has spoken just volumes about how smart, how good of a player Ayuk is, and he is a lot like Debo and can be used all over the field. I think they're going to, uh, you know, kind of what's the word I'm looking for? Manufacture touches for Ayuk earlier in the season to kind of get him involved in the offense. I think he's going to be the guy. I'm not as high on Hurd and some of those other guys, even though they've been there. Uh, so I think Ayuk can get a slightly better than wide receiver 31 season going next year. ADP of 101, wide receiver 50. Just before him, LaVisca Chenault, Mike Williams, and A.J. Green. Would you take him over any of those three? Before you do that, real quick. Yeah. So, uh, last year, wide receiver thirty mm-hmm. was in PPR was sixty six receptions for eight hundred sixty nine yards and five touchdowns. Okay. Last year, last year Debo Samuel, uh, in a complete season, finished with fifty seven receptions, eight hundred two yards, and three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so basically, Emmanuel Sanders was wide receiver thirty, the first number I read, and Samuel was thirty-one last yes. year with those numbers. You think that they can have two wide receivers with Samuel missing? That you think he's going to finish better than what he what he put up last year, missing potentially a three or four games? 
I do, and here's why. And it's going to be something that we, we will discuss more when we do the team previews. I actually think San Francisco is going to be in more shootouts this year than they were last year. Uh, one thing that I I feel like everybody kind of talks about it, those defenses that lead the league and do everything that they do the year before always take that step back. I understand that the 49ers are bringing back a lot of those players. I just don't know if that defense is going to be quite as good as they were last year, which I means I don't think they're going to be able to rely on the run as much as they did last year. They were able to get those turnovers, get up the way that they were, and then it was kind of like run the clock out, which he never seems to do in the Super Bowls, which is just crazy to me. He never seems to run the clock out, but he does do it during the regular season. Yeah, I know, Matt. Trust me. So I think uh, – for me, they're going to end up throwing the ball more because of that. And the one thing I like about Debo and Ayuk, because they did a lot of Arizona, Kyle Shanahan with the way he runs his offense, we saw it more in the playoffs than I think we did in the regular season. Debo was in the backfield and he got carries and he did get handoffs or they did different kind of screens and everything. Ayuk did a lot of that in college as well. He was a very explosive kick and punt returner, I think that Kyle Shanahan will find a way to manufacture touches for them. I'm not saying they're going to, you know, get 90 catches or anything like that, but if they get, again, say you just said 60 catches or something like that, was wide receiver 30? So wide receiver 30 last year actually ended up being Emmanuel Sanders, who was the 49ers receiver. He had 66 receptions for 869 yards and five touchdowns. Samuel was wide receiver 31. He had 57 for 802 and three, but also had 14 carries for 159 and three. So I think if they can get close to right, right around 70, the touchdowns is going to be the big thing. The touchdown is going to sway you which way are they. So if they can get a couple more touchdowns and continue with the rushes, I mean, I say Ayuk, I believe more in getting above 31 than Samuel. Because Samuel, I'm just guessing because the injury, I don't know what he's going to be like. But Ayuk say, again, that Samuel does miss four or five games. I think Ayuk's going to immediately, outside of Kittle, be the best receiving option on that team, even though he hasn't gotten a chance to learn the playbook and everything like those other guys who have been there. So I, I believe Ayuk, yes, he can. I, I'm a big believer in him, even though I don't really own him anywhere or anything. But I, I just think he can be a very good receiver in that offense. Um, so, But you guys, uh, before would you take him over Chenault, Mike Williams, or A.J. Green? I'd take him over all three of them. Okay. I'd take Mike Williams. So would I. I still kind of – I think Mike Williams, once once again, future NFL MVP and Super Bowl winner Justin Herbert becomes the quarterback. He's going to he's gonna get Mike Williams the ball. Uh, just after Will Fuller, uh, Brian Edwards, and Preston Williams, would you take any of those three over Ayuk? Uh, I'd take Edwards and Williams. Preston! <laughs> yeah, I was I was kind of on the same boat. Obviously, a big Edwards guy, and I think Williams is going to be the interesting one, though, for me, because I think I don't know when he's going to come back. There's a lot of talk that because he tore the, the ACL so late, he may not be ready to go to start the season, but I'd still take him. I, I, Dennis's guy there, I, I am still much, uh, much a believer in Preston Williams. So George Kittle, tight end two in 2020. Under. I'm going to go over. I'm going to go under as well. I think he breaks into the tight end one this year. I think uh, it's going to be Andrews, Kelsey, Kittle. Andrews, I like oh. that. Okay, so that answers the next question. Kittle, they, Andrews, Kelsey. He, uh, ADP of 19, he is the number one tight end being drafted off the board. Just behind him, Ertz, Andrews, and Ingram. So who? I'm sorry, it's actually Andrews, Ertz, Ingram. I don't know why I put Ertz first. Uh, so, Dennis, you just said I would assume you're taking Andrews over Kittle. Is that it, just Andrews? Yes. Matt, Kittle number one? Yeah, Kittle. 
Andrews would be the interesting one for me because obviously he oh, yeah. is is a stud. Well, I, I don't want to get off on a tangent here, but I, um, I was listening to a podcast the other day talking about how this – I'm not going to name the podcast and everything. So I don't want to like – I feel like I'm trashing them when I say this. But uh, they were talking about how excited they were to get Marquise Brown in the eighth round because he is by far the best receiving option and the number one receiving option for Lamar Jackson. I was like, no, no. The number one receiving option for Lamar Jackson is Mark Andrews. It is not Marquise Brown. He may be the number one wide receiver, but he is not the number one receiving option. That is definitely Mark Andrews. So yeah, Those are definitely not the same thing on that team. Yeah, exactly. All right. So uh, I, I, Andrews would be tough for me because he's a guy that uh, I was sold on. He was my number one tight end in that class. A lot of people were going Hayden Hurst because he got drafted early. What I saw with with my boy Baker, the touchdown maker in Oklahoma, is I was sold on Andrews, but I, Kittle's just such a stud. I, I don't. It, it would be hard for me to go Andrews over Kittle. All right, so Seattle Seahawks, they went 11-5 last year. They lost in the division round to the Green Bay Packers with a beat-up offensive line and their running backs being beat up as well. Do we think Seattle finally decides to throw the ball more in 2020? Your lips nope. to God's ears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sucks. I really no, don't. they drafted DJ Dallas. They, they've got Chris Carson. They signed Carlos Hyde. Yeah. They have not given up on power running. And, you know, to be fair, even though I still find it seemingly hard to believe that a guy that fractured his hip is going to come back to play professional running back in September, they're saying Chris Carson is on track for week one. Yeah, I did see that too, which was kind of surprising. I was not expecting that at all. Yeah, and I, I looked the ESPN's projections for uh, for 2020 show him having another 1,000-yard season. And 250 carries, so maybe he will. I wouldn't doubt it, man. They do They do definitely seem to run. I mean, even last year when he was fumbling the ball, everybody was having issues with that. He was, uh, he was still getting the rock. So, uh, let's see here. The new additions. Uh, you guys just mentioned Carlos Hyde on a one-year deal. Really the only other fantasy options that were a big deal, in my opinion. Colby Parkinson, the tight end the, out of Stanford they drafted. And then Dennis just mentioned DJ Dallas out of Miami. Uh, their only loss will be Greg Olson is on an expiring contract. That's about it. They, this team, uh, was it? Is it John Snyder, right? Is that the general manager for the Seahawks? Yep. yep. He's done, I think, a phenomenal. I don't think he's talked about enough as being one of the better GMs in the game with what he's been able to do with Seattle over this time. Uh, well, I fan- think if, if Snyder could work some of that salary cap manipulation into paying for better offensive linemen, I think he hands down would be considered one. But he, yeah. he c- consistently does not put capital there, and, and that's typically the downfall of this team. You know, I think you missed uh, a new addition. Seattle also got uh, Philip Dorsett. Oh, uh, yeah. Receiver. Uh, from, Is that really an addition? I mean, yeah, okay. They yeah, got- I mean, he looked pretty good if, if for periods of time for New England. And yeah. it's not like they have incredible wide receiver. He's competing with like, David Moore. Uh, well, I don't, behind those top two guys. Right. So here's my here's my thing behind that. I don't think Dorsett sees the field much unless Lockett gets hurt. Because how often have we talked about more than really one? Last year, I think, was the first time we talked about two wide receivers being like fantasy relevant with Russell Wilson. It's because of the way Metcalf played. Like, I, I don't – because of what we just talked about at the beginning with how often they run the ball, it's one of those offenses I don't think that they're going to have a bunch of fantasy viable wide receivers. I, I don't – I personally don't think Dorsett's got a lot. We can talk about Dorsett. Well, I don't, I, think- I don't think Dorsett sees the field anymore if Lockett gets hurt 
because Dorsett's game is more similar to Metcalf's game than it is Lockett's game. Dorsett's a lid lifter. He's yeah. a nine route guy. That's that's what he does. Lockett's I would, an intermediate I was just saying guy. If we're, if we're talking about the fantasy impact of Colby Parkinson. Yeah. Tight end well, four. Tight end is a Met in Seattle. That's why I throw him on there. That that's the only reason I threw him on there. And we'll get to it here or later. Obviously, with with Hollister, you've got Disley coming back. I mean, Parkinson showed. Stanford's got a long list of really good tight ends that have made it. Still have Seattle. Luke Wilson. So, yeah, that, so that's why Greg Olson. Yeah, Greg Olson. All right, so uh, fantasy finishes. Russell Wilson, QB5 with 317.3 points. Uh, Chris Carson, RB10, 215.1. Carlos Hyde, RB23, 146.9. That was with Houston. Uh, Tyler Lockett, wide receiver 18, 180.1 points. DK Metcalf, wide receiver 32, 144. And then Jacob Hollister, tight end 26 with 68.9 points. Found this stat very interesting, so I just kind of wanted to get your guys' opinion on it because we all know Russell Wilson's a fantasy stud. He, he definitely started off slow last year, but for the most part, clearly, as I just mentioned, QB5, he seems to finish as a top QB every year. He has never received a single first-place MVP vote. Does that kind of surprise you guys with the way that he's – I mean, I think it's fair to say almost into the the comment that you just making a minute ago, Dennis, about – them never investing in the offensive line. I would almost say they don't do it because of just how good Russell Wilson has been. Like he makes it to where you can have a shitty offensive line and win and yet never gotten a first place MVP vote. Which but, last year he, you know, that, that seemed even crazier for last year because with the newly pulled out of retirement a second time, Marshawn Lynch and Travis Homer as his only yeah. running back options, he was within one score of beating San Francisco and being the number one seed in the NFC. I think that the challenge with, with Wilson is that he's notoriously a slow starter. And so the first four, five, sometimes six weeks of the season, he doesn't look great. And then he spends the last three quarters of the season making up for it. And, and I guess if you're going to play bad, I'd rather play bad the first four weeks than the last four weeks. But I think sometimes when they look at the whole season for a player, that kind of dings Wilson. Uh, he should have received votes. Uh, it's it's clearly been, I don't want to say uh, a malicious intent, mm-hmm. but uh, there he, he certainly had seasons where he should have at least received votes. Yeah, see, I don't know. I'm not trying to say that he should have won it. I mean, I, maybe I could have seen it the year that Brady won it in 2017. But, I mean, obviously last year, Lamar, he's not winning over Lamar. Mahomes the year before that. I can't remember who was before Brady. Uh, but that would have been right around the time that Wilson first started coming into the league, right? Right four or five years ago, six years ago. So, uh, I, I just – I, I, I just find it crazy that he's never received even just a first-place vote like that. Just one vote for, for the, the way that he has played is, is ridiculous to me. So Carlos Hyde, Chris Carson, Rashad Penny, Travis Homer, and even Marshawn Lynch was in the talks to come back to Seattle. Who are you relying on in 2020 out of this backfield? Chris Carson's the only one for me. Yeah, I mean, Car- Carson's probably the best option, and they seem uh, they seem – most uh, committed to him, you know, mm-hmm. despite who's coming. Because I think if I recall, it wasn't Penny was a first round pick yeah. a couple of years ago. Yeah, um, but ironically, he seems uh, 
less close to returning from his injury, and it didn't they? They happened like in back to back weeks or the same game. Yeah, the end of the year. yeah. I think was it his Carson was an ACL? Yeah, Penny's was and, the ACL. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Carson fractured the hip. You yeah, know, right. I thought it was like a bruise, and they're like, "Oh, just kidding, that one's <laughs> broken." But you know, it seems like they they just brought in Carlos Hyde to be kind of a complimentary piece, and in case. Uh, you know, they need to ease Carson back in. But I think he's the guy that they feel the most comfortable and seems to run the best. The offense runs the best when he's there in there yeah, for I, them. I think uh, from a passing game perspective, uh, DJ Dallas and Travis Homer are going to get some some opportunity there. It's not going to be enough, to I, I don't think, to make either one of them uh, consistently fantasy relevant. Carlos Hyde, though, he's a guy that if I'm doing a deal for somebody else and I want to try to get the deal done, I want a little something extra, he's that guy that I don't mind saying, hey, can you throw Carlos Hyde in? And be he's my RB5 or 6 because I know if something does go wrong in Seattle, Hyde can go in and get – he can go in for six weeks and get you 20 carries and, and 85 yards for, for six weeks in a row. Uh He's just a, one of those – I think he's kind of an underrated guy. He's not spectacular by any means. Yeah. And, and is one of the original – that workman-like mold, though, that Seattle seems to have for their players. They're not looking for flashy guys. Right. Well, and, and Penny, though, is one of the original Penny truthers. I'm starting now to look around and say, well, can I get him for a third? Do I have – Is there are there people out there that are finally just sick of him? Can I, you know, maybe a, a fourth and Carlos Hyde? Can I get, you can know, you Rashad swap Penny? your share of Ronald Jones for their share of Penny, and then both truthers would have. Uh, I actually, I, I probably wouldn't trade Jones straight up for Penny. <laughs> really? Uh, okay. You know, and I, I, the other point I would make about Hyde is I'm not sure it would surprise any of us if if Carson ends up not being quite ready for week one and Hyde ends up being the guy maybe for the first two weeks, mm-hmm. in which case, you know, I think he's a very viable starter. Well, and yeah. Hyde has come out. He stated, he goes, this is Chris Carson's job. He knows, he knows what his role is. His role, he's the vice president. His role is to be ready in case something goes wrong with the starter. And so he's, he's, ex- he's accepted that at 27 years old now, that that's what he's going to need to do. And he'd rather make, you know, 1.1 million doing that than be out of the league. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to lump these two in together. So I feel like they, they could be kind of uh, attached to each other. So do you guys think Metcalf can take a step forward here in year, year two with the Seahawks and the same offensive system? And do you guys trust Tyler Lockett in this system? We saw, I want to say it was like through week eight or nine last year before he got hurt. He was like score. He had, he was having decent weeks every single week, but like every other week he was scoring a touchdown and having those big weeks. So we saw the injury. He never really looked the same. So what are our thoughts on Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf for 2020? You know, with a low volume offense, it, it gets tricky. Uh, I don't think either one of them will be consistently relevant in the same weeks. And so that bumps both of them down for me. Uh, I I like I like that Metcalf is a you know he can be a three for one forty three and two touchdowns, where Lockett's a, a, an eleven for ninety nine and two touchdowns. But they're never you're not likely to see that in the same week. 
Yeah, so, I mean, last year, both of them saw over 100 targets. You know, Metcalf saw 100 targets even, got 58 for 907. Uh, you know, it, I think that's probably, you, you know, I'd see a few more receptions, maybe a few more yards. Uh, seven TDs feels about right to me. You know, they're not a super high volume. You know, you're not, but we don't think Russell Wilson's going to throw for 50 TDs. Threw for 31 last year. Lockett caught eight. Metcalf caught seven. That sort of makes a little bit of sense to me. Um, you know, I think both of them are probably between 65 and 75 receptions, somewhere between 950 and 1,000 yards and six to eight touchdowns. Uh, you know, I think they can both survive in there. Are there huge steps up or back for either? I don't think so. But I don't think, you know... They both have talent. They both have roles. Seattle's not a super high volume. They're not that much more of a high volume pass offense than San Francisco. They might be less robust than what we were talking about with Jimmy G. They just don't have, you know, as much of a focal point. It seems like they basically have two guys and then whatever happens with the tight end. So I think that last year what we saw is probably a pretty good indication of what they can be together. Yeah, last year the 49ers had 478 pass attempts, the Seahawks 517. I'm surprised honestly Seattle had more. Well, and that but that was 23rd in the league. Yeah, so and I, it it doesn't seem like a lot because compared comparatively it honestly wasn't. Yeah, I think a lot of that probably comes down to what you just mentioned earlier with, with how injured those guys were at the end of the year. They kind of moved away from running a little bit with Homer and Marshawn Lynch. It seemed like they were throwing a lot more. It's probably would well, They just weren't having success rushing either. I yeah. think Marshawn's first game back, he had eight carries for seven yards and a touchdown. Yeah, yeah, it was not great. Uh, so you mentioned me having Colby Parkinson on here earlier. Uh, the tight end out of the group, I think, is just a mess. We always saw Will Disley kind of have a, a really good end of that season last year for coming on strong. He was the guy everybody was buying into. I think it was a dislocated or broke his ankle in the first game or something like that uh, last year, kind of got knocked out. Hollister took stepped up again, didn't have a great year, finishes a uh, tight end 26, and then they brought over Greg Olson as well. So you've got all those guys in the tight end room. Are you trusting any of these guys for fantasy in 2020? And if so, who? Disley played six games last year. Really? I did not think he got – He he started the first six, got 23 for 262 and four TDs. You're thinking of the year before where he had like one huge game where he caught three touchdowns against the Broncos and then got knocked out the next week. Got you. Okay. Yeah, you know, it's it's tough. I like I I like Hollister. He he's kind of athletic, but he's not too terribly big, so he isn't gonna be out there blocking. But when they added Olsen, it just sort of threw all of that into a mess at the tight end position. So you've got Disley and and Hollister and Olsen, and it just is it's just a mess so now. Disley tore his patella tendon. Uh, you know, and we've seen yeah. we've seen that be a real, you know, Jimmy Graham tore his patella tendon for the Seahawks, and most people didn't think he was going to come back and started the next year and actually looked pretty good. Disley did it mid-October, um, so I think most of the thinking is he's probably not going to be ready at the beginning of the season, he could be a, a pup candidate where, you know, he's missing six weeks. And I think that's why they went and got Olsen. 
uh, you know, Olson's battled his own injury things. I think Olson, Hollister probably settle at the top of the depth chart at the beginning, but Disley is obviously a guy they like uh, that has, when he's been on the field, has really shown a great connection with Russell Wilson, especially in his ability to score touchdowns. Uh, it's just how long does it take? And, you know, like I said, those patella tendon injuries, we've seen it be real difficult as a comeback. We've seen people come back quickly. It's just going to depend, I guess, on him and his rehab. All right. Over-unders. Q, uh, Russell Wilson, QB5 in 2020. Now, since I put Wilson at my QB5 yesterday, I don't think it's fair that you should make me have to have to go off that. Over officially gets to push. You get to you get to change. You still got time to change your ranks. We won't finish. We won't talk about those top guys till Thursday, so you can. Yeah, move that's up. right. Thanks yeah. for giving it away, pal. Yeah, yeah. Way to go. Way to ruin it. Uh, I'm gonna take the over while we while he pontificates. Uh, I'm taking over as well. I do technically, Dennis. I'm not gonna lie to you. I have him at five as well. So, but I'm gonna I'm gonna take the over. I'm gonna move Baker up to five, baby. Let's go. Well, yeah. There you go. I did not have him at five. I actually am taking a true over. <laughs> See, I don't, I, I don't feel if I had to do something, it would, I'd have to move him up to four. Okay. Because I don't think the guys I have after him are, are gonna, they're not going to be up there. So, uh, all right. Under fuck it. Under. All right. <laughs> I like great way to commit. <laughs> ADP of 76, he is being drafted as the sixth QB off the board. Just ahead of him, Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott, and Kyler Murray. Are you taking him over any of those three? I'm taking him over Murray. I would take him over Watson. I would take him over Prescott, so we all split on that one. I have I have Murray and Watson ahead of him in my ranks. I think uh, – I, I I Prescott just behind him. I just I think Russell Wilson's going to be a little bit better than than him this year. So so I would take him over Prescott. Behind him, Carson Wentz, Allen, and Mayfield. Would you take any of those three over Wilson? No, nope. I would not. Mayfield just because I'm a homer. That's it. I, that's I have no. It's your real, right. It's your right. No real fantasy basis there. It's just because I'm a Browns fan. Uh, Chris Carson, RB sixteen in 2020, over or under. I'm going to go under. Yeah, I, I think that uh, – I don't think he's going to be way under, but I, I could see him in that 12 to 15 range. That's because we all think he's going to be over that. He's definitely going to be under. Yeah, I know, yeah. That's you got to go. Uh, he's got an ADP of 69, RB25 off the board, just ahead of him. Le'Veon Bell, Devin Singletary, and David Montgomery. Are you taking him over any of those three? I'm taking him uh, – yeah, I'm taking him over Bell and Singletary. Probably not Montgomery, though. I would not take him over any of those three. I think Singletary might be the only one for me. As much as I love Singletary, Moth worries me a little bit, but it'd be a coin flip just because I know Carson likes to, he, he's he's the guy. Bell, I want to, but it, it would be hard for me. Uh, right behind him, James Conner, Kareem Hunt, and David Johnson, right? Pretty sure that's why. Yeah. I put David Johnson. No, it's Duke. It's Duke Johnson. Duke Johnson. You know what? No. I should 
knew Johnson earlier, and I put I said Johnson, I went David, but whatever. David Johnson being drafted all over the map these days. Uh, taking any oh, of those, that would have made more sense for the where the 49er ADP yeah, was. That it was Duke Johnson. I really think it was Duke Johnson, not David Johnson, but whatever. We're past it now. <laughs> I might take Connor over him because I still believe in Connor. Dennis, you taking any of those guys? Um, no. Yeah, it would. Uh, the only one I would take, and it would be Hunt, just in trying to be uh-huh. trying to be ahead of the game in the fact that maybe Cleveland trades him and he ends up becoming a starting running back somewhere. And we know that he's got the ability to be a leading rusher and everything. But that would be the only one I would think about. Connor, I'm not sold on it, and neither with David slash Duke Johnson, whichever one that is. <laughs> Rashad Whichever DJ that plays in Houston, it is. Yeah, which yeah, one of the DJs in Houston. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Penny RB forty in twenty twenty over or under. I'm gonna say over. Yeah, over. I will agree with you guys. Injury based. ADP of one sixty seven. RB fifty eight off the board, just ahead of them. Lynn Bowden, <laughs> Damian Harris, and Latavius Murray. You taking him over any of those guys? I'm taking I'm, over Damian Harris. Yeah, I'm taking him over Murray and Bowden. I wouldn't take him over Harris. I think Harris is going to be good for the Patriots. I almost just drafted him actually in a draft I'm in. So, uh, but I would I would take him over Bowden and Murray. Right behind him, Duke Johnson. I'm so confused right now. It says Duke. I'm going to assume it's Duke. It's not Duke Williams because Duke Williams is a wide receiver. How oh, maybe I just messed up. Maybe they switched him to running back in the system. Now Duke Johnson, Naheem Hines, and Justin Jackson. You taking any of those guys over Penny? Nope. Mind taking my homeboy, Justin Jackson. You're allowed that, right? I would not take any of them over Penny, though, and I, I don't even like Penny. Justin Jackson, 2020 fantasy MVP. One year <laughs> removed. I'm going to declare it every year until I'm willing to do it. Stay on that train, baby. All right, uh, Carlos Hyde, RB28, uh, over or under? Over. 20, yeah, over. I will go uh, – yeah, I'm going to go over as well. ADP 215, RB69. Uh, right ahead of him, uh, we're going to say Dare because I don't know how to say his last name. Go ahead. Oh, Gumbawale. There we go. Uh, Malcolm Brown or Giovanni Bernard, are you taking any of those guys – or taking Hyde over any of those guys? I'd probably take him over all three of those guys. Uh, I'd, I'd probably take uh... – I'd take Hyde over Ogumbawale and Brown, but I think I'd take Bernard over Hyde. I would I would take him over all three. Right behind him, which was this is very surprising to me. Devonta Free well, I guess he didn't have a job. Devontae Freeman. Are you sure it's not Royce Freeman? No, yeah, it's Devontae Freeman. Yeah. I, I double checked it just to make sure. Yeah. It, I'm assuming it's because he doesn't have a job. I don't know. Probably. Uh Justice Hill or Mike Boone. I'm taking Hyde. Yeah, I would probably take Hyde too. I mean, Defonta Freeman could have had Hyde's job and yeah. Seattle Hood passed on it. So, all right, uh, Tyler Lockett, wide receiver, twenty-one, over or under? Over. I'll say over too. I am going to go slight over. I think he's going to go right around 24. ADP of 57, wide receiver 27 off the board, just ahead of him, Debo Samuel, Robert Woods, and Terry McLaurin. You taking him over any of those three? I am not. No. Uh, you know, maybe maybe over Woods. but uh, continues. 
Yeah. I just think Chris I'm an has asshole. a better chance at volume in his <laughs> offense than Lockett has in his. I mean, ta- I like Lockett better, but if we're being honest, that was probably the deciding factor for me. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't take him over any of those three. After uh, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, and Rager, would you take any of those three over Lockett? I would not. It depends on how I'm building my team. Rager, it, Rager, it, the one question. Uh, you said is it? It's Justin Jefferson. Yeah, Justin Jefferson, Rager. Yeah. yeah. I if I'm uh, if I'm building a not win now team and I'm building uh, a youthful team, I'd probably take Rager and Jefferson both over him. Okay. But uh, if I'm built, if I'm in, if I'm building win now in a startup, I'm I'm gonna take uh, Lockett over uh, Jefferson and Rager. Uh, Rager would be the one question for me because I'm really sold on him in Philly. So I I would probably end up taking him over Lockett. Uh, DK Metcalf, wide receiver 26 over or under. Boy, that's, uh, I'm going to say. I'm going to go over. Yeah, man. I I think it's, if it's, you know, I, I feel like 25 to 27 is the range. Yeah. You know, so uh, I guess I'm going to go over. I'll let Matt influence me. I'm going to go slide under. Don't blame me. (laughs) I'm going to go slide under. I think uh, I like Metcalf this year. I was big on him last year. I think he's going to be able to, especially if if Lockett faces any kind of injury, another year in this system. Him and and Wilson really seemed to have some good chemistry last year. An ADP of 40, wide receiver 18 off the board. Cooper Cup, Cortland Sutton, and Riley, not Riley Ridley, Calvin Ridley, just ahead of him. If it's Riley Ridley, I will take him over. (laughs) You're taking Metcalf over any of those three. No. I'd probably take him over Cup. Uh, So would I. I'd actually almost probably take him over Calvin Ridley. Yeah. It'd be close, but I mean, man, the Atlanta. Yeah, they're good. They threw threw the ball like eleven hundred times last year. Yeah, they're, they. <laughs> Calvin really gets a lot of work. I just, you know, I just DK guy. I wish we could put up some memes, you know, sometimes because you just talked about why you try to win but you never do, and then you yeah. say things like that. I want to put the meme of Yoda saying that's why you fail. Yeah. Well. <laughs> You know what? I say uh, I'm I'm always I'm on brand, man. There's just guys I don't like, and I'm never going to draft them. So Atlanta threw the ball 684 times last year. That was 51 more times than the next highest passing attempt team, which was Carolina. Um, well, that's just because they were behind like 40 points, right? After Kyle Allen threw like because they had to play the Falcons and the Buccaneers and the Saints <laughs> for six of their games. They're like, oh my God, Kyle Allen, throw it till your arm comes out of its socket. Well, that's the other problem. Yeah, you throw it to the other team too. All right, so right after Metcalf, Diggs, Lamb, and Keenan Allen, you take in uh, any of those three over Metcalf? Here's where I will give you a heart attack. I would take all three. Over yeah, I I think the the only one that's a question for me is Diggs. Diggs, oh. yeah, that's where I thought you guys no, were gonna get. Um, da- Dallin, uh, Allen gets a shit ton of volume, and I think he'll continue to get a shit ton of volume. And yeah. I I think Lamb is just a better receiver than Metcalf. Um, but Diggs is, you know, he's going to another. He's in a low volume offense as well. Um, uh, it, it's kind of a coin flip between the two of them. Yeah, I will. 
Um, I'm with you, man. Again, future NFL MVP Super Bowl award winner Justin Herbert's going to get Keenan out on the ball. So I'm I'm with you. Uh, Diggs would be the question. I'd still probably I'd take Metcalf over Diggs, but I love me some CD Lamb and Keenan Allen still studs. So so I would take them over Metcalf. Will Disley tie it in 17 in 2020? Over. Yeah, that's. I think uh, he misses at least six weeks. Well, unfortunately, Hollister wasn't being drafted, so I had to go with Disley. No, I, I'm not. And I'm still drafting, especially in Dynasty. I, I still like him long term, but I think there's a really decent chance he's on the pup list, which yeah. means it's really going to be hard to make it into that yeah. tight end two range if well, you're six to eight weeks. With tight ends, is it that hard to get to tight end 17 missing that much time? Yeah. I kind of feel like it's not. Uh, well, so. Oh, sorry, I don't know. For for me, I, I feel like if I'm going to own any any uh, Seahawk tight end on my team, it's probably Hollister, mm-hmm. just because he's free. All right. So an ADP of two nineteen, tight end thirty one, just ahead of him, Gerald Everett, Adam Troutman, and Dawson Knox. You taking him over any of those three? I'm taking him over Everett. Yeah, and I'm probably taking him over Knox as well. I like Knox. I like me some Knox. I'm not ready to quit him yet. Here's the thing. I'm actually with you, Matt, on Knox, but I kind of see the argument over him because what we just talked about with Diggs, they're in a low-volume offense. Allen's probably only going to make like one or two. You still got Beasley there. Now Diggs, like I kind of feel like that's what hurt Knox so bad last year because he showed great flashes. They just didn't get him the ball enough. That's what worries me about Knox. I love Knox. I'm a Knox truther. Like It's hard to – to get volume when you play uh, four to six games a season. So I love me some Will Disley during those four to six games a season. But That's true. Okay, fair enough. Fair point. Just after Evan Ingram looks sturdy. <laughs> Just after him, Greg Olson, Devin Asa, uh, is Asiasi? Yep. Yeah, Asi, Asi. Oh, hell yeah. Good Actually, job. Asi, Asi. It's going to be my favorite tight end now. And Kyle Rudolph, uh, who are you taking? Hollister. Hollister? I would take Disley over all three of those. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Same. So what about Olsen? Because Olsen is technically being – I left – he's obviously right after Disley. He's being drafted almost right after Disley. Is Olsen Mm. in the picture? Is it all Disley for you guys? You mean – are you talking about 2020 or long-term? Because 2020, I think Olsen will be there. Either or. End up with the highest scoring scores of their tight ends. I feel like I feel like every time we answer this with a question mark like that, me or Dennis give that qualifier that it's like, hey, so in 2020, I'm going this guy. But if I'm building long-term, I'm going this guy. So you can answer it however you want, yeah. Matt. If I'm going long-term, I'm not investing in Greg Olson. I think okay. all three of us thought there was a real good chance he was going to end up in the broadcast booth, especially yeah. when he started calling the XFL games. He was an excellent color person in those games. He made those games incredibly fun to watch. I was shocked he signed to play again. Maybe he knew the league was going to fold and everybody was going to get quarantined and he'd have to yeah. go back. That or, that or ESPN stupidly hasn't offered him the chance to do Monday Night Football yet. So I know. He- so I, I think that, you know, he's, he's a one-year investment. But I think they made that investment and he – weighed his offers and weighed his broadcasting offers and chose Seattle because I think he sees potential to be, uh, you know, a veteran Super piece Bowl. on a team making a run for a Super Bowl. Yeah. And I think that's what Seattle sees him as too. I like, you know, what we saw of Hollister uh, too, but I, I think they are focused on Olsen 
and trying to get Disley back. There was even there's been talk even that Olsen and Disley might play. They might play more twelve personnel. Uh, you know, so I think he's the one. He you know provided that he doesn't go out early in the season again is the one that's going to finish as the highest score in twenty twenty. I just don't. If you're playing dynasty that's a guy you scoop up because you want to have somebody to play a tight end in 2020 because you have a lot of development guys on your roster. All right. Well, that'll do it for us on the NFC West first part here with San Francisco and Seattle. We'll be back on the 29th to talk about the Rams and why am I forgetting who the last team is? I always forget who the last and the Cardinals. And I think we we know after today, Robert Woods will not be joining us for that discussion. Yeah, yeah, I reached out. He's not really a fan of what we talked about today. So, uh, yeah, we'll talk. I defended you, Robert. We can one-on-one later. Oh, yeah, old Bobby Trees. Me me and Matt, the Matt's were on your side here. But uh, we'll be back again next Thursday with – we'll be doing our top QB rankings. Maybe we'll add something else in there. depends on how quickly we get through those top 12. Uh, But we uh, look forward to talking to you guys again. Remember, this podcast will drop on Monday, so you guys will be hearing this on Monday. Thank you for everybody who dropped by, and everybody have yourselves a good weekend. Right on. See you. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Who can make a play? I can! Who can make a play? I can!